Thank you, Choose. That was amazing, amen? I'm only slightly bitter that y'all get Catherine most of the year, but uh, <clears throat> I'll get over it. If you would turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, today we'll be talking about the lost commandment, and thankfully, unlike Indiana Jones, we don't have to go far to search for it. So I, I pray this morning, uh, as we read God's Word, we would take something new from it. You know, God's Word is never changing, but how we see God's Word can change because we are humans, and we often uh, get new perspective when coming across a passage maybe that we're very familiar with. So we're going to turn to a passage that we're very familiar with in Exodus chapter 20. If you're there, say, I am. Thank you. We're going to start in verse 8, and it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien that is within your city gates. For Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. As we look at this passage this morning, that word Sabbath is something we're very familiar with. But for those of you who may not be familiar with it, it comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it looks something like this. Now, I can't read that. I haven't taken enough Hebrew to really understand it. If I didn't Google it, I wouldn't know that that was the word Shabbat. But the word Shabbat simply means rest. More commonly in the Hebrew language, it means to cease, to cut it out. That's enough right? So we have this word Sabbath, that where we're supposed to rest. Now the Hebrew Sabbath was not typically what we think of. When we think of the Sabbath, many of us think Saturday. Our Hispanic friends will say El Sabado, right? The Sabbath. For Christians, we a lot of times think maybe the Sabbath is on Sunday. But see, the Hebrew Sabbath did not work like that. If you read uh, the beginning of Scripture, God's days are patterned by evening and then morning. And so the Sabbath in Hebrew times, even the Sabbath in Jesus' time in the early church, started Friday night at sundown and ended Saturday night at sundown. So understanding where they were coming from can help us apply it to our lives a little bit better. There are many people today that believe there is no longer a need for a Sabbath. And studying for this passage, and I had to do quite a bit because everybody is divided on this topic, just about. You ever uh, heard the phrase, if there's two Baptists, there's four opinions? Well, Wherever there's Christians, there's going to be, be debate uh, on God's Word. But a lot of Christians say that, that Jesus eradicated the Sabbath. That just because Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, it is no longer applicable to our lives. They loop it in with the other 613 Mosaic laws that Jesus has fulfilled. And while it is true that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, I don't see Christians picking apart the other Ten Commandments the way they do the Fourth. They don't say Jesus fulfilled the law, so if you murder somebody, it's okay because grace covers you. Hallelujah. Right? That's, no, hold on. If you commit adultery, it's fine. Christians can commit adultery because you're under the law of grace. Come on now. 
That's not how it works. This is one of God's ten most important commandments, and he summed it up in two, didn't he? To love God and to love your neighbors. And I truly believe if we take a look at the fourth commandment, it fits into those two things. If you love God and love your neighbors, you will obey what God has decreed in the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is indeed important. It's a hinge commandment among the ten. It takes us from the first three to the next five. And so if we look at it, we can see that it's pretty important. And here is a chart that I've made for you to show. It is the longest commandment of all of the ten. If you look at this chart up here, you'll see the section in blue. That's how many words it took for God to say we need to take a rest. Now look at these other ones. These other ones would seem pretty important, right? Don't steal. Three words. Do not steal. All right, pretty short, concise. Do not commit adultery. Four words. Do not murder. Three words. No false testimony. Eight words. The only thing that comes close is idolatry with 88 words. But in the Christian Standard Bible and other Bibles, 98 words are used to describe the Sabbath. Why do you think God made it that way? What's that? You can speak up. I'm used to response. That's okay. Yeah, not only is it important, why, when, when you're uh, doing something that you know how to do, do you need a lot of instruction? No, you only need a lot of instruction when you, someone knows you're going to mess up, right? Right, when your parents say, go wash the dishes, and you know how to wash the dishes, they don't have to say, go wash the dishes, take the soap, put it on the sponge, rub it around a little bit, make sure you get it wet first, and then when you're done, you, you rinse it off, and then you put, no, 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 they don't do that, say, wash the dishes, But if your parents say, go change the oil in the car, and you have no clue how to do that, like maybe I did at 16 years old, and you accidentally try to change the oil in the transmission pan, and you strip bolts off, and then you have to drill through the bolts to get them out, and then your truck is ruined, and you have to pay $1,000 to get it fixed, you might need a little bit more instruction, okay? So God gives us a lot of instruction on the Sabbath because I believe he knew people would mess it up. You see, it's not only that this uh, long explanation of the Sabbath that he gives us, but he continues after giving the Ten Commandments to explain it in more detail. He continues throughout the Torah to keep explaining the Sabbath because people keep messing it up. It's one of the most repeated of the Ten Commandments throughout Moses' writings in the Torah. So I want to give you this morning seven basic principles that Christians should remember regarding the Sabbath. I know, I'm breaking Baptist code again. What happened to three points? Well, you see, God made the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. He likes that number seven, so I I couldn't fit it into three, so we're going to have to do seven, and we're going to have to move quick. You have to listen quick. Can you listen quick, amen? All right, let's get to it. Number one, the Sabbath is from the beginning. The Sabbath is from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says this, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. Verse 2, On the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, consecrated, set apart, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. If God, who is infinite in power and infinite in stamina, who never gets tired, who never gets weary, thinks that it's important to take one day of rest out of seven, what do you think that says about us? 
that we should probably take one too. That we should probably follow by example. You see, morals did not come into existence when Moses went up onto Mount Sinai and talked to God and they, God wrote it down on the tablets. That's not when all of a sudden bad things were bad and good things were good. It's been that way since the beginning. There is uh, no moral relativity when it comes to this. There is an absolute truth. You see, today we live in a culture which says everything is relative. It doesn't matter. You may believe this, but that's just your beliefs, man. That's how you interpret it. I hate to break it to you, but there is a standard truth set by God from the beginning, before the Ten Commandments were even written. If there was no absolute truth, you would not be able to say the phrase, there is no absolute truth. Why? Because that phrase is an absolute truth. It's circular reasoning. So there is an absolute truth, and from the beginning, it was wrong to murder. It was wrong to bear false witness. It was wrong to commit adultery. That stuff didn't automatically get wrong, wrongified, if I can make up a word, when the Ten Commandments were written. And the Sabbath is no different. The Sabbath is from the beginning. It even precedes the commandment in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 16, we see that it says in verse 23, he told them, this is what Yahweh has said, tomorrow is the day of complete rest, a consecrated Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until the morning. Four chapters before we get to the Ten Commandments, God commands a Sabbath. A few verses later, just six verses later in, in verse 29, it says, Understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days worth of bread. Each you stay where you are. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave this place on the seventh day. God had a Sabbath before he wrote it down. Number two. The Sabbath is for rest and worship. That makes sense, right? Sabbath means rest. The Sabbath is not for doing extra work, because it means rest. Sabbath is also for worship. God doesn't declare that when he writes it down on the Ten Commandments. He says that it's holy, that is consecrated. That word holy simply means it is set apart from the other days. But we do see instructions throughout Exodus throughout Deuteronomy, throughout Leviticus, where God gives us instructions on how to worship Him. He gives the Israelites instructions on how to worship Him on the Sabbath, to make certain sacrifices, to go to the temple. So the Sabbath in, in, in Hebrew times was not only for rest, but also for worship. God commands us to rest one of every seven days. Again, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 9, it says, You are to labor six days and do all of your work. How much of your work? All of it. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, is a rest. It's time to cease to Yahweh, your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien within your city gates. Why does God list all this stuff? Isn't it good enough just to say you don't take a Sabbath? Don't you think Christians and, and even Israelites at this time really try to find loopholes in God's word? The reason it takes so many words to explain the Sabbath to us is because God knew we would try to find loopholes. Well, I'm not going to work, but I'm going to make my workers work. 
I'll still get work done, but I'll get to rest. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Well, I'm not going to work, but I'll, I'll make my children work. Nope, that's not good either. Well, I'm not going to work, but I, I'll set my oxen in the field and let them go ahead and grit. No. Today, we don't really farm a whole lot, maybe around this area more than others, but those analogies don't match up so well. Maybe we'll say, you know what, I won't work, but I'll keep the assembly line going. I won't work, but, but I'll, I'll make sure that work is still getting done. No, God says no work. That's not how this works, pun intended. God said, don't try to find a loophole. And there's a good reason for that. Number three, the Sabbath is a sign of who we follow. The Sabbath is a sign of who we follow. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 12, it says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. For it is a sign between you and me throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you, who sets you aside, who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. If anyone does work on it, that person must be cut off from his people. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath must be put to death. The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout the generations as a permanent, as a what? Temporary? Sometimes? If you feel like it? Permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God takes the Sabbath pretty seriously, even inciting death to those who treat it like it means nothing. You see, when God, one of his other commandments is to not take the Lord's name in vain. You guys know we have a, a, a couple of individuals in our church who have a racing company called God's Last Name is Not Damn It. But you see, it, it means more than just making God's name a curse word. That, that commandment is about treating God's name as if it means nothing. And you see, when we take God's Sabbath and treat it as if it means nothing to us, God is not happy about that. Now, there were people who unintentionally worked on the Sabbath. And God says they need to be cut off from their people. But it was only when people intentionally disobeyed God that they were put to death. We see in Numbers chapter 15 that one man was even stoned to death for gathering sticks. Not because he was mistaken, not because he didn't know it wasn't the Sabbath, but because he knew and he directly disobeyed God. So they picked him up. They said, what are we supposed to do with him? God said, I'm pretty sure I made it clear. And he was stoned to death. That's pretty harsh. But see, God doesn't change. Yes, Jesus fulfilled the law, but God had a purpose for the law. And I think about that individual. Goodness gracious, he got put to death for, for gathering some sticks? You see, it's not the only place in the Bible where someone with good intentions gets put to death. You see, if we try to do God's work but don't do it his way, we have to deal with the consequences. When the tabernacle was built, 
and they were carrying it around. And, and, and David had finally won it back. It had gotten stolen, and they finally won it back. God had instructions on how it was to be carried. To be carrying on tent poles. People were supposed to lift it themselves. They decided to put it on a cart and have some oxen drive it. And then the cart hit a bump in the road, and it almost fell off. And a, a, a guy decided to reach out and grab it and stop it from falling. He touched it and died instantly. Wait a minute. He was doing a good thing. He was trying to stop the tabernacle from being destroyed. God's holy place where God could, could come to man and, and, and converse with him and, and his presence could be there. He was trying to stop that from being destroyed. But it should have never been put on the cart in the first place. And same with the Sabbath. If we don't trust God to take care of our needs and we think we're just going to need that extra day of work, we're not trusting God. We're not doing his work his way. So even if it's good, even if it's good intentions, well, you've heard the phrase of where good intentions get somebody. So we need to follow God's commandment and what he's told us to do. I think God has taken the Sabbath seriously because it is a sign to who we belong to. See, God really likes signs. In the Old Testament, he, he put a bow in the clouds to make a sign that he would never flood the earth again the way that he did in Noah's day. He also made a sign, uh, a covenant with Abraham that the men would be circumcised. He's all about these signs. And the Sabbath is a sign that we belong to him. To outsiders, for one, to say those people are taking a day of rest because of the God that they serve. But also as a sign of respecting and trusting God that we must rely on him. Number four, disobedience of the Sabbath is sin, and specifically the sin of pride. Here's why. You see, many Christians disobey the Sabbath simply because they don't understand it. And I understand. It's hard to understand it today. Is the Sabbath on Saturday, on Sunday? Uh, when are we supposed to keep it? These Seventh-day Adventist people say one thing, and the Jews say one thing, and my Christian church says one thing, and I I'm just really confused, so you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I, I, it's too confusing. I'm not going to do it. Some people say we don't need it. Some people say we do need it. I, I'm just not going to do it. I, I don't understand it. You see, the church gets in a lot of trouble when they disobey God because they don't understand something. Unfortunately, members of our body, and I'm not talking about here at Olive Branch specifically, but the church is a body, and there are members across the world, congregations across the world, who don't understand parts of Scripture, so they just don't obey it. They don't understand what Scripture says about sexuality, so they don't obey that part. They don't understand what, what Scripture says about murder, so they don't obey that part. And cults are formed, and people are driven away from God. Not obeying something because we don't understand it is not the place that God put us in. It's a place of pride. The reason disobeying God's commandment of observing the Sabbath, not only because it's disregarding something that God has commanded us, you've heard it said it's not the ten suggestions, but because ultimately it's rooted in pride. We think we can do better on our own pattern of work and rest than the pattern that God set aside for us. We think, you know what, God, I can get more work done if I, if I work seven days a week. I can get more work done doing it my way than doing it your way. For some reason, we have this idea that the world will stop spinning if we don't get that extra day in. 
But here's the truth. We are more productive in God's design of a six-day work week and resting one. Most American work weeks now, we have five days. We have about eight hours a day. It's not for everybody, but that's, that's the standard in most places. In the evenings and, and on the six days, a lot of times we catch up on our chores. But the seventh day should be for resting and preparing for the next week. Taking time to rest and focus on God. That brings us to point number five, which is that the Sabbath is for us. The Sabbath is for us. Here's what Jesus has to say on the matter in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says, On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began making their way, picking some heads of the grain. The Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to him, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? Verse 26, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man, and man, not man, for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, there's another passage that goes along with the same story where Jesus talks about priests. And he, and he comes back to these Pharisees and he says, what about these priests? Didn't they work on the Sabbath? Are you saying they should be put to death? According to your opinion, you would say that they profaned the Sabbath. Because priests were available to work essentially 16 hours on the Sabbath. But wait, I thought you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. You know, today a lot of Christians believe the Sabbath is on Sunday, that it's set, that there's no way that can change. And that you can't work, it's a sin if you work on Sunday. Well, kick me out. I'll let Pastor Wayne speak for himself, but certainly kick me out because we work on the Sabbath. We work on our Sundays. And the priest did the same thing, and Jesus said, don't you think maybe God had a different intention of what you're thinking about? You were not made to obey the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you, and God wanted you to obey it. He commands you to obey it because he knows you need it. And Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. There's this great quote. I, I wrote something similar, but then I found someone else's who was better, so I stole it. And John Piper says that Jesus didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but to dig it out from under the mountain of legalistic sediment and give it to us again as a blessing rather than a burden. You see, Jesus had, a, uh, uh, had taken these Pharisees. He said, look, there is a standard for the Sabbath. I'm not saying get rid of the Sabbath. Nowhere does God say get rid of the Sabbath. Jesus never claimed to get rid of the Sabbath. He simply said, you're looking at it the wrong way. You're making people follow a list of rules and regulations that God never intended. You're adding on to his 613 Mosaic laws. And you're expecting others to follow it the same way you do. But the Sabbath was not made for you to obey it just because you should obey God. Yeah, you should obey God. But God gave you the Sabbath. Jesus wanted to take it out of this legalism that it had and give it back to us as a way to refresh ourselves, as a blessing. 
And you see, I, I truly believe that when we obey the Sabbath, we can be free from the temptation of other sin. See, the Sabbath is a pattern of taking how many days of rest? Out of how many days of the week? Seven. We work six, we rest one. You see, those who wish to observe the Sabbath, specifically on Saturday, from Friday evening to Saturday evening, from Sunday, they are free to do so. But the Bible says we should not judge those who observe the Sabbath on another day. And it took a lot of studying and parsing of, of Scripture to understand what God means by this. So if you look in Romans chapter 14, verse 5 and 6, Paul writes this, One person judges one day more, than, more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day, observe it in the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat and gives thanks to God. See, what Paul is saying here is some people say that this day of the week is the most holy day. You've got to focus on this day. You've got to do all your worship on this day. You've got to go to church on this day. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. If that's what you feel in your Christian conscience, you have to do, absolutely. But don't put your burdens on others because they choose to rest another day, because they choose to worship another day. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Paul is not saying get rid of the Sabbath. Paul is saying you still need to rest. You still need to follow God's pattern. But don't allow others to judge you of when that pattern begins and ends. You see, God said on the seventh day, and yes, Hebrews didn't have uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The seventh day was the seventh day of the week. And so, yes, that is when Jewish people observe the Sabbath, but he's saying now, follow God's pattern. Don't allow others to judge you when you do it, but still follow it. And there's a lot of controversy about whether or not the disciples moved the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. But here's what I want you to understand. If you study church history, you'll see that early Jewish Christians worshipped on Sunday, but still worked on Sunday. The movement of the day of rest from Saturday to Sunday did not happen until 321 A.D. when Constantine decided that he would make a decree to move the day of rest. Roughly 300 years after Jesus left this earth was when it was moved. You see, the, the main reason the new Christians were worshiping on Sunday was because they had to use the synagogues to worship and they were full on Saturday. Full of who? The Jews. And so they would wait till they were done. They would use the synagogues. Now, not every church was that way, but that's how it started. Paul himself records uh, attending synagogue and then teaching in synagogue afterwards to the Christians of the area. It says that they were flooding in one week. He, he, he taught one week, and the next week after the Sabbath, after the, the, the Jewish uh, holy day, that the Christians, that the people in town were flooding in to hear Paul. 
imagine that. You're in church and you do things the way you always normally do it and you're letting someone else, you know, use the facility after you for their church service and, you know, you have about 15, 20 people and you leave and then people are rushing in the door to hear about this new Jesus guy. That's how they were feeling probably. So that is why they started worshiping on Sunday, but they didn't work. They didn't stop working on Sunday. God seems less concerned about which day we rest and more concerned that we take a rest consistently as he has commanded. Number six, observing the Sabbath creates collateral blessing for others. I'll say it again because it's a long one. Observing the Sabbath creates collateral blessing for others. Taking a day of rest and standing firm on your willingness to do so will be a great example to those who are not taking that day of rest. You see, you can create collateral blessing when you're an example to others. If you're working 25 days in a row, and I know I've done it, it's exhausting. It's not right. It's not the way God intended. It's very difficult to tell someone else that they should take a day of rest. You see, God set the perfect example. He said, I'm all-powerful. I never grow weary, and even I took a day of rest. You should too. That's why he makes it important. That's why he commands it of us. When you are well rested, your work throughout the week is better. As we said before, when you work six days and rest one, you get better at your work. You perform better. You're not burnt out. You're also not focused on the wrong things. Your worship can be better. You're not so worn out from the week that when you take time to focus on God, you're ready to do so. And that energy of focusing and meditating in God's rest can carry you through the next week. Also, when we are well-rested, our relationships are better. Your relationship with your family is better. How many of you have ever snapped at someone in your family because you were tired? Yeah. You see, when we're better rested... Our family relationships are better. Our worship to God is better. Our relationship to our church can be better. You've heard it said that 10, 20% of the church does 80 to 90% of the work. And when you get people volunteering and serving and plugging in in places and they're doing work all the time, and on their Sabbath day they're here at the church working, they get burnt out quick. They stop volunteering. And you see, that doesn't mean that others who are resting shouldn't stop resting, but it says we need to pick up our burdens from others, put them on ourselves. Jesus told us to carry one another's burdens. Jesus said, if we are too burdened, he said, when you're burdened and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. It says in Matthew that his burden is easy. His yoke is light. When we trade our burdens for God's burdens and we lay in his rest, our relationships are better. And we need to be an example to others. I need to be an example to you all. We at this church need to be an example to you of taking a day of rest. If we're not doing it, how can we expect you to do it? And if you're not doing it, how can you expect those in your family to do it? And if you're not doing it, and people are looking at your life and saying, well, they just work all the time. Remember, the Sabbath is a sign, a permanent sign of who we belong to. 
And if people say, see that we're not taking any time to rest, that we're living just like the rest of the world does, working all the time and stressing out all the time, they're not going to see anything different in us. They're not going to want anything different than what they already have, what the world has to offer. But instead, if we show them what God has given us and that we're obedient to him because God gave us the Sabbath for us to rest, we can be a good example to even non-believers. When you observe the fourth commandment, you're less likely to break the rest of them. When you're well-rested and you spend time with the king, you're really less likely to murder somebody. If you hold true to the fourth commandment, you'll follow the others pretty well. If you're well-rested, you're less likely to be disobedient to your parents. When you're well-rested, you're less likely to commit adultery. When you're well-rested, you're less likely to start worshiping other things instead of God. When you take time to rest and to focus on God, you will follow his other commandments much better. And yes, God does give us grace. Yes, I don't think God strikes down people today because they miss the day of rest each week. But I do think it's important for us to not use the grace card to disobey what God has called us to do. Too many Christians today use Jesus as fire insurance. God has called us and commanded us to do something for our own benefit. You see, the, the other long commandment about honoring our parents, you see, we have one about the Sabbath, we have a, a shorter one about idolatry, we have a shorter one than that about honoring our parents. That, that commandment comes with a promise that if we honor our parents, we'll live long in the land. But you see, if we honor the Sabbath, God has told us that we'll enter his ultimate Sabbath rest. In the book of Hebrews, he uses the word Sabbath to explain eternity. If we take a pattern of rest on earth now, we'll be more prepared for the pattern of rest in eternity. You see, even in the millennial reign, even in the book of Revelation, there's still a Sabbath, even when we're not tired anymore. Isn't that interesting? That's how important God thinks it is. And number seven, and we're going to finish up soon, uh, if Jan, if you come to, uh, to play for us, I, I want you to see this. Number seven is to take action. And that action is to rest. Hold up, that doesn't sound right. Take action to rest. You know, sometimes we have to discipline ourselves, and sometimes it's not really easy to do something like that. But if we start to do it, we'll experience God's blessing. You know, it's not always easy to read Scripture daily. It's not always easy to pray to God when things are tough. But if we discipline ourselves, even if it seems like work at first, we'll experience God's blessing through it. We'll start to read God's Word with a new, refreshed mind. We'll start to obey His Word better. We'll start, our prayer lives will, will continue to increase because... We were disciplined. And so it may be difficult for you to find time in the week to take a rest. You may have to take it on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Friday. You may have to do sundown to sundown because there's just no one day in the week where you can get the whole day off. But God has commanded us to do it. So take action, rest, and you will see that God will bless you to be better prepared to do His work His way. So as we have this time, Jan's going to play. I want us to simply pray.
And if you need to come to the altar to pray, you can. You can stay in your seat to pray. If you need to come talk to me, you can do so. But instead of the the typical invitation, the typical altar call, I want you to take time and rest. No singing, no, no thinking about other things. I want you to take time and look at your life and see maybe where you're failing God and resting. And take that time to repent just as I need to. I I don't follow God's commandment of resting like I should. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm telling you. I'm struggling with this and I've had to research it and make sure that, that I am doing what God has called me to do so I can share with you to do what God has called you to do. So take this time to pray, to think about how God wants you to rest. Think about and meditate what you've been on and just simply be still. So let's, let's bow our heads, let's pray. I'll pray, I'll open us, and then you take some time and I'll close us. God, thank you for giving us a pattern of rest so that we can be better prepared to do the work you have called us to do. I pray that we would take it as seriously as you do. And God, that we would understand it better, that you have made this for us so we can rest in you. Let's do that now.